Hello, and welcome to Mountain Talk. Today, we bring you a special Christmas program produced in 2015 by Kelly Haywood, featuring stories and songs of Christmas. But first, some letters to Santa from senior citizens in Letcher County, Kentucky. Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is a new coat, size large, new shoes, size 9M, new watch, Timex, diamond ring, and a good-looking rich man. Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is first of all, my health, my need to get well, then I'd like to have a rich man to take care of me, a new car, a fancy house and maids. That's all I want. Thank you, Santa. <laughs> Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is good health, peace in our country, family to know the Lord, peace and love in families, the homeless to be fed and warm through the season. Merry Christmas. Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is my husband to be okay and all to be well and happy this holiday and every day. Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is one loaf of bread, two packs of ham, three gallons of milk, dozen of eggs, golden rings, cats, dogs, frying pans, curved socks, light bulbs, candy bars, and a dollar bill. So dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is my health and everyone to be happy with family, for our troops to be safe and to be able to come home safe, and all the seniors to be healthy and happy, and Santa, if you have a four before laying around, you can throw it in. <laughs> dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is moon pie and RC coat. What I want for Christmas is more closeness with my family, friends, joy, peace of mind, contentment, love for my family and friends, more of God's love, spiritual healing, more faith, last but not least, a good pair of house shoes. Thank you. And expecting all the above. Dear Santa, what I want for Christmas is happiness around the world, every heart to care about their fellow man, world hunger to be a thing of the past, all physical and mental abuse to end, comfort for those who are grieving, and love, love, love. Christmas and happy holidays from all of us here at WMMT and welcome to our Christmas Day special. For the next hour, sit back and enjoy memories of mountain holidays past with Gene Ritchie, Evelyn Mills Williams, Sherry Brashear, and Claude Rasnick. Hear poetry from three Kentucky authors read by WMMT's very own Katie Paratina and enjoy the classic Twas the Night Before Christmas read by 10-year-old Delatus Rose Haywood and her mother, myself, Kelly Haywood. Filling the program out with music from the Time Life Treasury of Christmas, we're in for a very special hour of radio. Get a warm drink, kick your feet up, hug the kids close, and enjoy.
Jane Ritchie spent her earliest years on Clear Creek in Knott County. Many years later, she wrote and recorded this reminiscence of Christmas there. I reckon the new Christmas and the ideas of presents and the tree Mom read about in a paper or book of some kind. She used to keep the post office over on Clear Creek at Ritchie, Kentucky, and she got to read all the papers that came through for folks. Anyway, the stories of how Christmas was celebrated off from here got to Mom, and she decided one year to make a Christmas tree for us. Dad and the others, Uncle Wash and Uncle Isaac and them, they thought it was all foolery and wouldn't be much help about it, but on the day before Christmas, Mom called me to come, her eyes just a shining and said secret-like, put on your coat, I want you to help me do something. I got my coat and ran out with her. I could tell by her way that it was something nice. What is it now, Ma? Where are we going? She kept smiling, quick little excited smiles, and she said, I want us to go hunt up a Christmas tree. Gee, oh, I could have took wings and flew, as they say. I was so tickled. We got us a hatchet and lit out in the worst snowstorm you just about ever saw. We had to fight our way through the deep snow already on the ground, across the branch and up the steep bank to the road. The nearest evergreens were pretty far up in the hill. It was hard going, slick ice and under the soft snow. And to cap it all, it began to snow even harder. The wind was slapping in right into our faces. We couldn't see hand for us and the wind was blowing so hard we couldn't stand. Mom grabbed my hand, have to go back, she hollered above the storm noise. Well, I began to cry. I knew if we went back, it'd be too bad to come out again after this storm and Christmas would pass and no tree. Come on, I said. She sounded mad. And then she said, I see us a tree we can get to. Don't have to be a pine now, does it? Down by the branch across from our house, we're growing some little sycamore saplings. And Mom took the hatchet and cut down one of them. It didn't have any leaves, but the little woolly winter tags were hanging right pretty all through the limbs of it. We took that tree home and propped it up in the front room, and that night after supper, we decorated it. We cut colored paper out of old catalogs and tied them here and there with bright wool threads, and we strung popcorn and hung it around. As I look back on it now, it was kind of a choir Christmas tree. <laughs> But to us all then, it was the prettiest thing we'd ever laid eyes on. We just couldn't get away from it. That was the happiest Christmas. Jean Ritchie with Memories of Christmas on Clear Creek and Knott County. Christmas Day is come, let's all prepare for mirth, which fills
my name is Katie Piratina and I'll be reading a few poems for you. This one is Winter Tree by James Still and it is out of From the Mountain, From the Valley. A lot goes on behind my back, a row of icicles pulling at the eaves. Grew three inches before I thought to look, a snow falling an evening through, contrived knee depth before I knew. I see what's done, the doing is concealed. Things happen I know nothing of, but once I saw a walnut shed her leaves, all in haste within a half hour's time, and shift her season, become a winter tree, stand bare of foliage and her body free. The last spot stark, the farthest twig revealed, a lot goes on while my head is turned, and nobody bothers to watch and hollow look. This is The Bird's Christmas by Sally Bingham. Everything's forgotten. What remains is the peanut butter ball we padded and pressed seeds in for the bird's Christmas. A cold winter, and they were around us everywhere in the shabby cedars. Stick your fingers in the jar. Don't be afraid. This is not every day. This is the day before Christmas. And pat that ball of brown stuff round, pressing a handful of these nameless flat black seeds. My brother had to run to wash his gummy fingers. The baby put the stuff in her little greedy mouth, and they were gone now, too, and not remembered. But the bird's tree, that small, unshapely cedar, still stands in the dry grass of the fenced-in yard, and the little black and white birds, the greedy, the starved, still gather there. This is The Red Taffeta Dress by Jane Gentry. On Christmas Eve, it was under the tree, in a long, flat box, my family's faces, washed in colored light, turned on me. I was afraid it was clothes, but when I tore the tissue off, I loved the sight of it, a dress as red as sleeping beauties. In Granny's cold bedroom, Mother pulled it over my head. She sewn it right. It swept the floor and framed my face to prettiness. I walked out into the gazes of cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, father. How like a skin it was, wedding me to the dream, assured joining the red dress fitting my child body, like a lost piece in the puzzle of the world. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight they know that Santa's on his way 
He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to phrase to kids from one to ninety-two although it's been said many times many ways Merry Christmas to Williams Mills lives in Wise, Virginia. She's active in Mountain Empire Older Citizens. She shares this memory of a long-ago Christmas in the Wise County Coal Camp of Dorchester. My first real Christmas. Everyone has a memory of one particular Christmas that stands out from all the rest. I can recall mine very vividly. When I was growing up in Dorchester, Virginia, we had plays and pageants for all occasions. With no TV and few radios, everyone able to climb the steps from the road almost to the top of the hill where the church overlooked the sprawling mining camp would be there. No stars in Hollywood outshined the stars on that little stage. The plays were long, Costumes made by teachers and parents were glamorous to us. The prize parts were sought by all who liked to participate, even though it meant hard work and a lot of memorizing with many hours of rehearsals. My first real Christmas came when I was chosen to play the lead part in third grade, a part that required me to have a white dress, doll, and carriage. Money was scarce as hen's teeth in those days, and Mama told me I could not have the part because she could not buy the needed items. Tell them to give the part to someone else, she insisted. I felt like I would just die if I had to give up the part that most of the girls wanted and were envious of me for getting. Disobeying Mama, I continued to practice and memorized all my lines perfectly. Each day she would ask if I had told the teacher, and I stubbornly replied I had not. 
The tension between us was something else. The last day of school before Christmas vacation arrived like a postcard. The snow came down covering the coal dust on everything in the camp we had lived with from day to day, transforming it into a winter wonderland. We had drawn names and exchanged gifts at school. Everyone was bubbling over with the spirit of the season, and we spilled out of the building when school was dismissed. Amidst the exuberance, frolicking, and roughhousing kids, a somber thought struck me. Tonight is the play, and I don't have a white dress, doll, and a carriage. What am I going to do? My feet grew heavier with each step in the deepening snow. What will happen when I don't show up for the play? Or what will I do if I do show? Tears from the cold mingled with tears of anguish as I trudged slowly and sadly homeward. Warmth and smells of supper cooking greeted me when I opened the door. Home had always felt so good and safe to me. Expecting and dreading another lecture and recrimination from Mama, I was surprised to see her dressed up with her hair so neat, and she smiled at me. Something had happened. She had been to town. My heart began to beat faster, and I raced to her bedroom. There, hanging on a nail in the wall, was a white, or almost, white dress for me. She had made it out of the domestic material she used to make sheets and pillowcases or to line a quilt. It was trimmed with lace that I knew came from her best blouse that she wore to church. That wasn't all. On her bed lay the biggest most beautiful doll that'd ever been in our house. I'd never had a doll larger than one that easily fit into the top of my stocking on Christmas Eve. Excitement mounted, and I nearly passed out when I saw the gorgeous black carriage with the shiny new wheels. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Nothing this good had ever happened to me before. I was so excited, Mama had to calm me down. I wanted to get dressed right then, but Mama made me wait until Dad got home from the mines, bathed, and we had eaten supper. It seemed like an eternity to me before we reached the church. Snow was still coming down fast, so I put my doll under my coat. I wasn't about to get it wet. I rushed ahead of my folks and stepped through the church door into the most beautifully decorated scene I had ever seen. Tinsel, silver, and gold-colored roping, bright twinkling lights on a gigantic tree that reached the ceiling. Wow! I really burst with joy. Quickly crossing the sanctuary on winged feet, I parted the curtains backstage, and my eyes really bugged out, and my heart dropped to my toes. There before me were the other girls in the doll and carriage bit, 
dressed in the fanciest, frilliest, whitest store-bought dresses, all lace-trimmed and beribboned, with black, shiny, patent leather shoes with straps and bows on the toes. Their dolls were almost as large as real babies and had long, curly hair. The carriages were enough to break my heart. Pastel colors and so big. They took one look at me in my yellow, unbleached dress. My heavy, rough-looking shoes that Dad had half-soled with thick leather so they would last until spring, and they broke out laughing. That hurt. I sought refuge in the little broom closet and huddled there in tears. Oh, why didn't I listen to Mama? Why did I ever put myself in this position? When Miss Palmer found me there at curtain time, I insisted that I was ill, too ill to go on the stage. Thinking I was having stage fright, she tried to reassure me. She removed the tears from my face just as Miss Hurd at the piano began playing the cue for us to go on stage. I held back. But Miss Palmer gave me a little push through the curtains, and the pageant began. I hate Christmas, I thought. It's only for people with money. Everyone was looking at me to see why I wasn't singing, so I started singing along. My heart wasn't in it, and my mind was racing. I'm caught, so I'll just do my part, go home, and forget it. Everyone was on stage singing carols together. That wasn't bad. I didn't feel conspicuous in the group. When we finished, we marched off and waited for the cue to roll out the dolls. There were some recitations, and when Miss Hurd began playing Away in the Manger, we entered pushing the carriages around and around the stage to the applause of doting parents in the audience. The music slowed, all lined up at the back of the stage, and the dreaded time for me had arrived. I walked into the spotlight alone and began to recite the Christmas scripture I'd memorized so well. I can't adequately describe the emotions raging inside me. I just wanted to get away from it all. The footlights of many colors blinded me. The audience was just a dark blur. The girls were in back of me so I couldn't see anyone. That's great, I thought. I'll just pretend no one is here and concentrate on what I am saying. In doing this, I really thought of the words for the first time. Mary and Joseph crossing the desert on a donkey. No room in the inn. I bet they felt rejected like me. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why worry about my homemade dress and clumsy shoes? If rags were good enough for the Christ child, anything was good enough for me. Born in a stable 
where my favourite place to play was in Aunt Nancy's hayloft. I loved it when her cow and calf were in stalls below me where I could see them. My friend and I had so much fun making little rag dolls and clothes. I didn't need a big doll with long curly hair. I could never make clothes for one like that. Peace on earth. The hours spent in that barn loft were the epitome of peace and contentment. Strange, isn't it, that a not-quite-white homemade dress, ugly shoes, and the tiniest doll and carriage in my third-grade pageant taught me not only the real meaning of Christmas, but almost everything I needed to know about life. Is it any wonder this is my most memorable Christmas? Evelyn Mills, Wise. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace.
Sherry Brashear lives in Letcher County and practices law in Harlan, Kentucky. She says that present-day Christmases just don't compare with the ones she remembers growing up. I call this little reminiscence the Christmas disenchantment, and its purpose is to make common cause with all of the rest of you out there who view Christmas as an occasion for sorrow and dread. For us, the disenchanted, Christmas is a bust. It's that time of year when pretend, comfort, joy, and brotherhood hang on the heart like ornamental anvils. Why? Well, I can't speak for all the disenchanted, but for me, the adult Christmases I have endured fail to provide the grit-in-the-teeth genuineness and knife-keen pleasure of my childhood Christmases, the sense that some magic was being transmitted. Let me paint you a picture of a perfect Appalachian Christmas, one that has disenchanted me with every holiday season since. Let me also say this is fictionalized, sort of. It was 1958 and I was eight years old. Since October, Daddy had been laid off from the mines, which were working only a few men. Out to bust the union, Daddy said. He picked up a little money logging, but our clothes smelled like cured meat from the wood we had to burn in our heating stove because we couldn't afford coal. We would have starved if we lived in the camp, but we had land and always raised a big garden and put up plenty of food. Mom and Dad told us there would be no presents that Christmas, but the morning of Christmas Eve, Mother doled out a few frazzled bills and sent Dad off to buy fruit and nuts. I and my brother Charlie, who was seven, got to go along. We went to the Union Hall first, from which Dad emerged grinning to beat the band, carrying a sack of oranges and a sack of apples the Union was giving to each of the laid-off men. Boys, I'm a few dollars to the good, Dad said, as we headed to the Blue Goose, where Dad bought a half pint of what he calls snakebite medicine in the summer and cough syrup in the winter. He let Charlie and me have a little tongue-stunning sip and hollered, Whew! Bad taster! From the Blue Goose, we headed on down Route 7 to Isom, to that jubilee of earthly delights, that massive cornucopia of sensory stimulation, the stock sale. We sat on plank benches, finished to an oily slickness by scooting bottoms, seemingly warm by the steaming cow and horse manure piled in the surrounding pens. In the ring, that paragon of liars, auctioneer Ivan Childers let loose a fast-flowing stream of bids, stopping only to relate the virtues of the animals he offered for sale, with all of whom he had a detailed personal acquaintance. I laid by my cornfield a few weeks back with old Joe here, and there's not a gentler creature on this earth he would say about some ill-natured mule that had crippled its owner as it was led into the ring. Dad bid on and bought for a dollar a whole box of children's socks. We also bought nuts and hard candy and chocolate cream drops from the stalls outside before we headed home. He sucked on peppermints to cover the smell of the half pint he'd finished off. Still, he stood well back for Mother when he presented her with her surprise, the dollar box of socks. She got pretty ill about this waste of money even before she looked in the box and found that not a single sock matched. How could there be so many different colors and patterns of striped and checked socks and not a mate among them? Mother was on the verge of a major tear along these lines when a knock at the door saved us. Praise God for delivering us from the hands of the Philistines, Daddy murmured. It was Dad's beloved first cousins, the wild Indians, so-called because of the Indian ancestry so obvious in their appearance and behavior. As always, they waited for us in the backyard, never entering the house once for the 18 years I lived at home. 
They were short and slim and tawny-skinned with straight, longish black hair, coarse as broom straw, and mirthful, glowing black eyes and snowy porcelain teeth. They all had mysterious old names like Noah and Nehemiah, and they scorned clothing, wearing only jeans in summer, coupled with long-handled shirts in winter, living on wild game and garden truck, on the fat of the land, Daddy said, like people used to do. The wild Indians wouldn't work in the mines. They hated the owners who stole everybody's land and made them slaves, Daddy said. Now, on Christmas Eve, they paced the backyard with their floating, noiseless tread, long guns across their shoulders, hands draped over barrel and stock, pint jars of homebrew stretching their back pockets. Let's go to the wolf pen, one shouted to my parents and my brother and I in the doorway. And shoot mistletoe, another wild Indian added. Everyone looked at mother. What kind of woman would let two children, seven and eight, go to the woods with armed, drinking men? That answer is easy. A woman who also has two-year-old triplets and a five-month-old baby. We headed up the cow pasture toward the top of the mountain, pulled by the magical bars of afternoon sun jutting down from the trees. Charlie and I held on to Daddy's hand so he could jump us over the gullies. The wild Indians walked in front, seeming to disappear as they stealthily glided from the sunshine into the dusky forest. It was dark everywhere when we emerged with bunches of mistletoe tied to our belt loops, the homebrew mostly gone, singing Pretty Polly, a tune the wild Indians had started when my brother and I suggested we sing Christmas songs. The house was yeasty and spicy when we entered. Mother was sitting on the couch feeding the baby, Lola, the Christmas tree lights glinting on her glassy red hair. Mother had put the tree in the playpen to protect it from the triplets who slept now on the Belgian carpet patterned linoleum by the heating stove, exhausted from another day of innocent mayhem. Daddy stayed in the kitchen peeling potatoes, singing Barbary Allen, and sipping from a quart of homebrew the Indians had given him for Christmas. He had managed somehow to buy them a box of shells. My brother and I helped fix supper cornbread, mashed potatoes, sauerkraut, wieners, and soup beans. We finished eating, and Daddy was trying to drag Mother under the mistletoe when we heard a motor revving outside. We knew what to do. We quickly doused all the lights, covered the baby's mouth, and got down on the floor. Daddy slid out a window with his gun, but came back in a second and told us to put on the lights and open the back door. In came our Aunt C. She was wearing a lamb's wool coat and hat and high heel boots with lamb's wool cuffs. She had been on a greyhound for several days from Detroit and had taken a taxi from Hazard. I thought you weren't coming. I, I would have picked you up, Daddy said. I didn't think we they'd let me off at such a busy time, said Aunt C, who worked in a fancy department store called Winkleman's. She was always trying to get Daddy to move to Michigan, but he said he wouldn't leave the woods. We helped carry in her beautiful mother-of-pearl samsonite from which she extracted boxes wrapped in Winkleman's complimentary gift paper. Mother looked happy and sad both. Now there were presents. Better still, though, Aunt C was home. C was short for circus, her nickname. She was always up on everything, like teaching Daddy how to make hula hoops out of plastic pipe. This time she had fabric paint and pictures of the Christmas party at Winkleman's and funny stories about what everyone did. We cried when Daddy made us go to bed. I stood at the bedroom window watching dog shadows crisscross the distant creek bottom in the bright moonlight and experienced one of the truly happy moments of my life. Aunt C slept on the couch. Daddy wouldn't let us open her presents until she woke up. I got a book of grim fairy tales and a cracker box full of real makeup and a gold ring with my birthstone in it. Breakfast was late and we had to hurry to start dinner, but Aunt Fanny and Uncle George came long before it was ready. They 
Both drove taxis in Cumberland and delivered bootleg liquor and beer. Aunt Fanny was tall and perfectly shaped like my bride doll and mean as a copperhead. Fanny and George had plenty of money in a beautiful aqua Buick Bel Air. Aunt Fanny brought us clothes and shoes as Christmas presents, and we opened them and oohed and awed over them and tried to look happy about them. After dinner, Daddy and Uncle George hunkered out in the yard smoking cigarettes. Pretty soon, the wild Indians showed up, and Uncle George broke out the beer. Daddy made Charlie and me go in the house where Mother was describing the birth of the triplets in exact detail. We snuck back out again and hung around the outskirts of the yard, listening to Uncle George and Daddy talk about the mines and strikes and a railroad bridge that had gotten blown up. They never caught anybody, did they? Uncle George asked. I heard they was guarding it the whole time. Never could figure out how anybody got in there and wired it up. Daddy drank his beer thoughtfully. It was a ghost, I guess, Daddy said. The wild Indians were all busy pointing to a hawk drooping toward the tree line. They got up to leave to go check their chickens, they said. Daddy stood up out of his hunker and pointed at the chromed holes in the Bel Air's fender. What the hell are these for, George? Gofeisters, Uncle George said. I believe they was actually used for that at one time. Let's take her for a ride and see. They didn't come back until after dark. Aunt C was reading Snow White and Rose Red to me and Charlie. I overheard Mom and Dad arguing. Uncle George had offered him a job hauling liquor, but he turned it down. Lawless, he said. I went to fix Aunt C a cup of the Sanka she always carried and found my parents solemnly waltzing in big circles around the dark kitchen. Mother had her hand up to ward off the beer smell. Strain at a gnat, swallow a camel, Mom said. Your mother's a card, Daddy said. She don't know the difference between a gnat and a camel. It was enchantment that can never be duplicated, though it took me a long time to understand. The pale Christmases of my adulthood suffer beside the rich memory of those days. Nearly every Christmas since has been an extreme disappointment. Sherry Brashear of Letcher County. Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore. Read by Kelly Haywood and Delatus Rose Haywood. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while vision of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new falling snow gave luster of midday to objects below. When what do my wandering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeers with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. 
More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with obstacles mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump on his pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a reef. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like a down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, or he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night.
In 1992, Clyde Rasnick of Dickinson County spoke with WMMT's Buck Maggard about Dickinson County Christmases in days gone by. This piece first aired on WMMT in 1992. Well, I'm Clyde Rasnick, live on Backbone Ridge, Maggie Rasnick's husband. Mother'd boil us a big ham every Christmas with big old country ham, and we have ham, plenty of ham. And and it was it was good. I enjoyed get me some firecrackers, go out, bury them in the snow and shoot that snow up, you know, like I was a blasting out rock and stuff. I'll tell you, them was the good old days back then. Yeah, back then you didn't have very much money, 
but you could you could buy Rex Smart if you had five dollars. Yeah, you could buy a whole lot. And now it seems like fifty dollars don't go nowhere much. And it's uh, just a lot of change has been made from when I was a boy. A lot of change. Everything is different. Used to have a Christmas tree at our schoolhouse every Christmas. And I'd, I'd go over there and I got me a little old climbing monkey on the string. You could, you could wind him up and he'd climb that string, go up and down that string. And that was a funny little fella back them days, little monkey. Climbing the string. What would the community do? Well, they, did they have any events in the community? Yeah, yeah. We'd go all through the whole family during Christmas, and New Year's, and have dinner with all the family. Yeah, get together and go rabbit hunting. The men would, and the women would cook a big meal, and they'd come back and eat at that meal at that house, wherever it was. And I'd go along and stay behind my uncle, and he'd shoot the rabbits, and I'd sack them up and carry them for him. Yeah. And this was for Christmas? Yeah, during Christmas, yeah. During Christmas and New Year's, everybody and uh, had a good time. Yeah, sure did. And he called, calm down, and going to Christmas right along. Clyde Resnick of Dickinson County shared these memories of Christmas past with WMMT's Buck Maggard at a gathering at the Clinchco Senior Citizens Center in December 1992. It was aired on WMMT at that time. Old toy trains, little toy tracks, Little boy toys coming from a sack Carried by a man dressed in white and red Little boy, don't think it's time you were in bed Close your eyes Listen to the skies All is calm, all is well Soon you'll hear Chris Little toy tracks, little boy toys Coming from a sack Carried by a man dressed in white and red Little boy, don't you think it's time you were in bed? Close your eyes Listen to the skies All is calm, all is well Soon you'll hear Chris Kringle and the jingle bells Bringing old toy trains, little toy tracks Little boy toys coming from a sack Carried by a man dressed in white and red Little boy, don't you think it's time you were in bed?
Wrap your presents to your darling from you Pretty pencils to write I love you Streets, busy feet, hustle by him. Downtown shoppers, Christmas is nigh. There he sits all alone on the sidewalk, hoping that you won't pass him by. you stop better not much too busy you'd better hurry my how time does fly and in the distance the ringing of laughter and in the midst of the laughter cry pretty paper pretty ribbons of blue wrap your presents to your darling from you pretty pencils to write I love you that concludes our Christmas special. Thank you for listening. We want to give a very special thanks to Rich Kirby, who provided us with the audio from the story's past. And, again, we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and enjoy the rest of your day. She didn't see me creep down the stairs to have a peep. She thought that I was tucked up in my bedroom fast asleep. Then I saw Mommy tickle Santa Claus underneath his beard so snowy white. Oh, last night.
know that I 